You're listening to the Music Marketing Manifesto podcast, where you'll learn how you can use direct-to-fan marketing strategies to grow your fan base and generate income from your music with no record label, radio, airplay, touring, or press. And I'm your host, John Ojaka. All right, John Ojaka here, and thanks for tuning in to episode number 42 of the Music Marketing Manifesto podcast. Now, on today's episode, we're going to be talking with Michael Sloan from the company Streaming Promotions. That's streamingpromotions.com. Now, Michael is a playlist promoter. That's a very specific sort of niche within the broader niche of of, uh, streaming promotions. His specialty, as you'll hear, is finding owners of playlists and basically convincing them to add your music to their playlist. It's a, uh, at least in my opinion, it's a similar job to that of uh, radio promoters. But obviously, uh, we've shifted away in many respects from radio towards streaming. And the gatekeepers and the relationships that promoters have with those gatekeepers is different than the old sort of radio uh, promotion paradigm. So uh, Michael, again, has been uh, gracious enough to uh, sit in with us for uh, a good hour or so and just really walk us through the entire process of not only being a playlist promoter, he spells out what it is that he does as a playlist promoter, but he also tells you what you can do uh, if you are ultimately wanting to promote your music to various playlist uh, owners. He goes through the entire process, uh, explains everything that it entails, and I think offers some really valuable insights. So that's what we're going to be doing on this episode. I think you're going to get a lot out of it. I really enjoyed the conversation, and uh, I think Michael offered some, some great content that everyone can go out there and apply right now. So um, before we before we jump into that, just a, a little bit of housekeeping. As always, if you enjoy this show, do me a favor, head on over to iTunes or Stitcher or Spotify, wherever it is that you listen to the show. Leave a rating, a review, uh, like us, add us to your favorite playlist, whatever whatever suits based on the, pl- the platform that you listen to this show on. Um, that, that stuff really does help. So if you wouldn't mind, it would be greatly appreciated. Um, Something else that I wanted to mention, I've been mentioning this on the last few shows, as most of you probably know by now, I've been running a very special sort of COVID-19 discount offer on my mastermind program called the Insider Circle. Uh, The Insider Circle is a private mastermind group. It's been around since 2011, so almost nine years. Each month, I release music marketing training courses or, or mini courses. Uh, There are over 100 training modules in the Insider Circle. I also hold live coaching calls every week where we can get on the phone and chat directly or you you can submit written questions and I'll answer them on the live calls. There's also a a forum in which uh, I I jump in every more or less every business day and answer your questions directly. and there's a tips and tricks library and a real community. Uh, it has been the heartbeat of everything I've been doing at Music Marketing Manifesto for, well, really since its birth, uh, as I say, almost nine years ago. It is an insane amount of content that you get access to. It's normally $47 a month, but because of all that is going on with COVID-19, I've created a special uh, discount for musicians where you can get access for 30 days for just $1. I know everybody's hurting out there right now and I wanted to do my part. Uh, Everyone does have a a pretty significant amount of downtime on their hands at the moment and so my thinking was that 
while we may not be able to get out there and be performing, we can at least be learning how to sell our music from home uh, and also just just upping our marketing game so that when we uh, do return to some semblance of normal, as some some places are slowly beginning to do, you know, the new normal at the very least, whatever, whatever that may ultimately end up looking like. Um, as that happens, if you spend this time bettering yourself and, as I say, upping your marketing game, your music marketing game, then you'll be uh, in a better place uh, to hit the ground running once all of this uh, is over. So, again, I put it out there to anyone who wants to take advantage of it. It's just $1 uh, for 30 days of access. You'll get complete access. I'm not holding anything back. There's no, you know, partial access and you need to pay money to get the good stuff or anything like that. It's just one buck gets you access to everything. If you choose to stay on, great. If you don't, it's there for you. Take what you need during that month. Um, And my hope is that it helps some of you. I've already heard from a a number of you who've reported uh, bringing in thousands of dollars from, uh, you know, lessons and strategies that you've learned in there. Uh, Been getting to know a lot of you on the coaching calls and in the forum. Uh, I hope to see a few more of you there before it closes up. I'm bringing it up today because I am going to take uh, take this down soon. Uh, it was really just meant to be there for everyone during this hard time. And as economies are slowly starting to open up, uh, I, I, it's it's now time that I start thinking about closing it. The current plan is to close it next week, Friday. What is the date on that? Or is it? No, Thursday. Next week, Thursday, the 14th. So, you know, that depends when you're listening to this. But you, uh, until then, uh, the, that's the 14th of May. You can get access to the Insider Circle, to everything in there for just one dollar you just go to musicmarketingmanifesto.com forward slash insider circle no dash or hyphen in between that's just musicmarketingmanifesto.com forward slash insider circle if you ever have any trouble finding it you can just go to musicmarketingmanifesto.com and you can find it in the the link in the nav bar there um, under products and services it says insider circle you click that and it'll it'll take you there as well so uh, if that at all interests you if you've been thinking about signing up but haven't done so yet you still have a little while longer to take advantage of that one dollar deal so not much else to discuss this week just wanted to let everyone know that uh, that that discount was going to be coming down soon Um, so what we're going to do now we're going to take a quick break and when we return we're going to be talking to michael sloan from streaming promotions about the the art and science of being a playlist promoter all right back in a sec You're listening to the Music Marketing Manifesto Podcast. Hi, this is John Ojaka. I'm a former Interscope and Warner Brothers recording artist who gave up on the major label rat race and began pursuing direct-to-fan marketing strategies back in 2007. The techniques I developed worked so well that they helped my very first client set the all-time single-day sales record at CD Baby and land a position on the Billboard charts. In 2009, I launched Music Marketing Manifesto and began sharing my music marketing strategies with others. Since then, my program have helped thousands of musicians learn to successfully market their music, many of which have landed on various Billboard, Amazon, and iTunes sales charts. They even helped one artist land a Grammy nomination. So if you're a musician and you need help growing your fan base or generating more income from your music, then MusicMarketingManifesto.com can help. 
My flagship program, Music Marketing Manifesto 4.0, is in its fourth edition and will teach you how to build an automated marketing funnel for your music. My program, Music Ads Workshop, will help you master advanced Facebook advertising, and the Insider Circle is my private mastermind group, which offers monthly training lessons, weekly coaching calls, a mastermind forum, and over eight years of music marketing strategy lessons. I also offer one-on-one consulting for musicians who need personal guidance or help with any aspect of their marketing. To learn more, go to musicmarketingmanifesto.com and click on products and services in the main menu. Once more, that's musicmarketingmanifesto.com. All right, on the line with me is Michael Sloan from Streaming Promotions. That's streamingpromotions.com. How are you doing, Michael? Doing well. How are you? I'm doing I'm doing well. So uh, where are you in the world? Uh, I'm currently, you know, we're based in Nashville, Tennessee. Um, I actually, uh, upon quarantine, uh, went down to Alabama uh, on the coast and have quarantined there for the last three and a half weeks. Very cool, very cool. Well, uh, strange times. It, it, they are strange times indeed. Um, so why don't you give everyone the, the bird's eye view of uh, who you are, what you do, uh, what your company does, um, you know, your, your involvement in the music industry. Sure. So uh, I guess I'm, I've been in the industry now for 17 years. Uh, started in publishing um, and then went over to a web development company that was doing fan clubs called Echo Music. Uh, we were acquired three or four years later by Ticketmaster I hopped the fence over to um, Live Nation and ran kind of the Live Nation 360 deals um, with Music Today and, uh, and, and some other companies. Um, and really from that was just building out engagement with fans through fan clubs when that was still a thing. Ticketmaster and Live Nation merged. Um, I went over and started a web development company and a social media strategy in the early days of that. Um, and then got hired by a gal named Taylor Swift to run digital projects. Um, and then flipped over a couple years later to Big Machine uh, Label Group and ran digital for that uh, for that label for two and a half years and then started streaming promotion. Very cool. Uh, there was a About little... little six uh, years ago. We lost you there for one second, but we heard all the, the important stuff. Um, the Very cool, very cool. So, so what, and what does uh, streaming promotions do? So we are literally one switch. Um, we reach out to curators, uh, on Spotify um, and try to get ads to the playlists. Uh, that helps trigger the algorithms, Discover Weekly, Release Radar, Daily Moods. Uh, I saw it today. They came out with a couple new ones. They're, they're always trying different algorithmic stuff out. Mm-hmm. Um, but really the goal is to grow audience uh, in, a honest, um, in an honest manner. So reaching out to those individuals, hoping that the people that are listening to those playlists, um, you know, save your music, become a fan of your music, uh, and, just, and just grow you from there. Right, right. Let, let's talk a, a little bit about that because that that word there, honest. You know, that was one of the things that uh, attracted me to you, and and it was part of me wanting to have you on the show because there is it's a it's a mess out there when it comes to streaming promotions, and and, and I you know everybody wants to get as many streams as they can. You know, in many respects, it's the new radio. It's the it's a very primary metric for a lot of musicians. You know, not necessarily myself, which we'll get into, but. Um, 
but for many it is uh everybody they've got music they put it out they want to see those streams go up it's how most are focused on making money and uh it's you know it, it every stream represents a potential fan and so everybody wants streams and they turn to the internet and, and i've done the same and friends at labels have have done the same and you start you you it's really hard to see the forest through the trees you'll see anything from a 30 dollar promotion on up into the thousands and you really don't know what you're getting and quite often even when they seem reputable you're getting bots or very low quality streams from click farms um you are or you're getting international streams that may or may not actually help you very much uh, there's a wide array of of pitfalls out there um and and again you uh seem very focused on doing it the right way so i'm interested in hearing about that but can you maybe maybe start by giving people a sense of what to look out for when it comes to streaming uh, promotions what you know the, the bad jobs that you're seeing done out there yeah the, the key word that I will always say that you can you, you can spot is, is if you see the word guarantee, you can almost guarantee that that's a, a false campaign because somebody might own a bunch of lists. So if you're in a position where you've got um, you, you you run into someone that says they own a hundred lists or they own fifty lists, uh, the likelihood is they purchase those for another user, uh, which is against the terms and conditions and end user agreement from Spotify. Um, and so it's probably going to be pretty nefarious and not be it's probably going through a bot farm. It's probably not real. It's probably not real fans and real, real engagement with the music. Gotcha. Gotcha. And, um, is that primarily it? I mean, when, when we're looking for things to watch out for, it's just fake, fake streams, fake streams, fake, any, anything that looks too good to be true. If they're saying you'll get 50 ads for $20 or $200, um, something's up there. You also find people that, um, that will have no issue, um, taking two grand from you and then spending $1,500 paying users uh, to add tracks to their playlists. It's right. become a whole payola element to Spotify, um, which we don't participate in. So if someone comes to us and says, you know, we got a curator out there that says, I'll be happy to add this song for 20 bucks a week, uh, we tell them to fly a kite. Like, that's just not, that's payola. Like, that, that's, right. <laughs> that's the music industry of the 1950s where, where we're all showing up to record or to radio stations with sacks of cash sure and that's not going to work so um we try to run it on the up and up it told me 10 years ago that i would run a promotion company i would have thought you were crazy right Um, but i love the solid metrics of spotify and being able to see numbers and and the numerical impact that we can have um that's not you know i put put a billboard up on the on the interstate and three thousand people drove by i mean what, I'm not sure what that means, if that matters, but you know, being able to see individual track counts uh, really helps us to be able to monitor what we're doing. Right, right. Um, okay, so well, let's walk through the the, the, the whole process and give people uh, a sense of um, what you do, essentially. So someone comes to you, they're a musician, they've recorded an album, they want to get it out there, they want to release it on, on Spotify, and they want to um, get as many streams as possible, I imagine. I don't know if they have, if you're used to seeing any other criteria than that. But where does it start? For starters, let's talk, just talk about the music. Do you take on anyone? We take on about... Uh, Two to five percent of what comes to us through the contact form. Oh wow! Uh, most of our business is um, most of our business is labels and management companies. Mm-hmm. Um, we do a lot of DIY stuff, but uh, a lot of repeat business. So yeah, we get about two hundred submissions through our contact form each month. We take on two to five of those. 
Uh, fortunately, over the last couple of weeks, the quality of that has been has been a little higher. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, we you know we we can't just promote anything. I think right. that might be a flag if you're working with a service. So that, yeah, we take everything. Just send yeah. it our way. We'll, we'll we'll guarantee you to make it work. Sure, that's just not the way the industry works. Sure, sure. So you, much like a, a label or a manager, you are one of the many quality controls along the way. If you don't think that people are genuinely going to love the music, or, or I should have said like a, a radio programmer, that's p- probably a better analogy. Yep. Uh, if you don't think people are going to engage with the music and you can get streams and you're not going to take it on. Correct. And sometimes the music's good. You know, uh, acoustic tracks, for, for, for example, mm-hmm. those are hard to place. Um, right. Covers sometimes. Are, are hard to place. So if you're notable and you do a cover, um, that's easier to place. But if you're some guy that's just deciding to sing a cover of a Sam Smith song, um, it's going to be really difficult because there's tons of covers playlists, but they want, you know, Ed Sheeran doing covers, maybe not somebody that's unknown. Um, so we're, sometimes the music's good, but we just might, we're, we're honest about whether or not we have an audience, um, you know, of our, of our curating, curator community um, that's going to be able to add that. Right, right, sure, okay. Um, so, okay, so let's say somebody comes to you, they submit the music, you think it's pretty good, you think they got something, you think you can get uh, streams, you take it on. What, what's the process? What, what can you tell us about what you actually do on the, on the day-to-day? Yeah, so kind of walk you through the whole thing. So somebody would come to us, um, we would say, you know, great, let's, uh, let's get things started. We'd submit an invoice, uh, we'd get paid. Um, we do an onboarding form, which gives us just a bunch of background information on you, other other services you, you might be using, PR, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Are you touring? It's all that. We basically just build our own EPK mm-hmm. um, on the artist. Uh, and then we do an onboarding call with uh, our client service team and our pitch manager. So once we're done with that, we're off to the races that following Monday. Um, I like to think that what we do is really we take the song. We, we work multiple tracks too. Another red flag. If somebody's saying I can work a single um, and only work singles, that's that's another recipe for disaster. Um, we work up to five tracks at a time, um, which kind of guarantees us against the payola thing. It would make no sense for me to pay for ads for five tracks if I could just get away with <laughs> paying for one. Right. Um, and so not participating in that allows us to you know work multiple tracks. It also allows us to. Songs have different moods and different vibes. We're not just genre-based. Mm-hmm. So um, we take the tracks that we're going to work. Um, we build a word cloud around those songs. So it's it's rock, but it's also songs I could work out to or songs that make me cry or whatever feeling and emotions and moods that the, that the music evokes. Um, and then we have word clouds for all of our playlists as well. So mm-hmm. about 4,000 playlists in our, in our arsenal. Um, mm-hmm. And we match those up, which gives us a pitch sheet, if you will. We're going to go out to the, these lists, have these many followers. It, it generates this much traction. Um, we'll reach out to these people. Um, you know, they aren't always added, of course. Um, out of out of our giant community, it, it's still people that still have opinions on whether or not they want to add those, those tracks. So we don't have any influence over that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it gives us a way to go go about reaching out. Mm-hmm. Campaigns traditionally last three months, so it's. Sometimes it's going to a bunch of big lists initially. Sometimes it's going to small lists to get some momentum. Um, obviously, sometimes it's a balance of both and seeing where we're getting traction. Um, and we report weekly and, and do a, a monthly kind of deep dive call and, and tell you where things are and how things feel. Um, our report has three tabs. It's obviously following the streams, uh, any algorithmic adoption. Um, obviously, the second tab is all about the ads that we're getting and the ads you're getting across the platform. 
And then our third tab is about feedback. So we start getting feedback from our curators, uh, ranking a song one to 10 and giving us a, a few snippets of what they think about it. Um, it does that. It does twofold. It gives us an idea of, you know, what the, what the community feels about the song and how, how strong they feel the song is. And it also insulates us from saying, well, we like the music, but it's not translating. I, I can now give you kind of some numerical representation of it's, it's not, it's not me. I love you. It's, it's the community's not adopting it the way that we had all hoped. So, mm-hmm. um, a little twofold kind of insurance plan for us there, but, um, I mean, it's pretty straightforward. It's just Spotify. It's, um, really working diligently. I've got a, a pitch team of, uh, six folks that are doing nothing all day, every day, but reaching out to curators, pitching the music. Some of them want the EPK. Some of them just care about the quality of the music. Um, I've got two people on staff that do nothing but research new playlists. Um, so we're, we're trying to go as wide as possible and not just rely on a narrow, uh, deep, if you will, just trying mm-hmm. to go wide and, and shallow as we can get as many, get as good as possible. Um, and that's, gotcha. I mean, it's, uh, we're, we're really probably overly communicative. Uh, love emails, love questions, always respond to those questions. Um, understand when there's frustration. We try to be super, super transparent about what we're doing, how we're doing it. Uh, we try to set it up on the front end so that there's not any expectation of, well, why didn't I get 100,000 streams? Well, we can't guarantee you 100,000 streams, and that's not what we do. So um, just, you know, again, just I think being, running a transparent, honest operation helps us squash a lot of hurt feelings or frustrations on the back end. Sure, sure. Um, okay, that there's some great stuff in there, and I want to ask you about all this. In a little bit, we'll just talk about some more marketing philosophy and the place of streaming and all that kind of stuff. But right now, I just want to really dive into this process. Um, I think it's you know educational. Obviously, some people uh, would like to go out and hire someone like yourself. Some people, uh, maybe you don't accept them, and they want to go out and uh, try to do some of this stuff themselves. And I think, I think there's getting a good sense of what someone who... Uh, who is not buying streams actually does, I think is, is really valuable. So um, I, for starters, I love the word cloud thing. I mean, that's, that's super great. You know, that's a great branding exercise to just go and take raw words. I, I used to do something similar many years ago to help people um, hone in on, on their target audience, but uh, for whatever reason have drifted away into other, other exercises. But I love, I love the word cloud thing. So again, just so I understand that. So you make a, you take each track, you just, you listen to it, you, um, whatever emotions or images, whatever it conjures up, you write down those words. And then did you say for each playlist, you have a similar word cloud and then you just, you align word cloud. Yeah. So then, yep, we align them and it it gives us a, you know, we, we we guarantee that we we are going to reach out to a hundred playlists, um, on any campaign. So, uh, we'll do the outreach to a hundred. So we build, we combine those lists. It gives us at least a hundred, uh, lists to reach out to and gives us a, we start to build a game plan around then who to reach out to first, um, how to start to build traction, how to get the word out. Gotcha. And this is perhaps a silly question. Do you have any kind of tool or, or spreadsheet or something that matches them all? Or is it you just sit there and you eyeball all those different playlists and you look at your keywords and you look at the keywords there and you and you you try to line them up? So we actually utilize a piece of software called Airtable that allows us to do that. So we, we build one, we build the other. It kind of we were able to mesh it together. So it's it's a little bit more than the eyeball test, but um, gotcha. and there's still some gut going on there. Yeah, no, that that sounds really handy. I was thinking, I think I might have to code something up, but that's uh, that's that's great that it exists. Airtable, I'll have to check it out. Um, okay, cool. So uh, another thing that I think is a big mystery to a lot of people um, is who are these playlist holders? You know, how do you find them? How do you contact them? So we all know what a playlist is, but 
the idea of just, okay, so reach out to playlist holders. That's a little bit daunting. Like, where are these people and how do you contact them? And, you know, are they companies? Are they individuals? Um, give us a sense of that mysterious world. Sure, they're a mixed bag. I mean, you're going to have some, um, you're going to have some individuals um, that just like making playlists. And it's like having the cool kid that passed around the, the mixtapes in high school, you know, they, the, the one guy that just had it seemed to have a good, uh, a, a good finger on the pulse of their yeah. particular style of music. So it's a lot of individuals. Uh, it's some groups and some brands. Um, but the process of figuring out who that person is, is Facebook stalking. Uh, quite honestly, sure. you try to find a username, uh, you, you see if that's an individual, is that a company? Uh, does it match up with an Instagram handle? Does it match up with, uh, what you know? WhatsApp. Where where is that person? How can I communicate to them? How can I get in touch with them? Um, and once we find out who they are, we slide in some DMs and do the best we can to start a relationship. Tell them who we are, what we're about, um, respect what they're doing, and you know, would love to add them to our fleet of uh, of curators. We respect what they're doing, and that we hope they respect what we're doing. So, um, a lot of our outreach and a lot of our uh, of our team that's doing research, you know. We, we don't get a hundred percent feedback from people. Sure. There's people that ghost us and go, go dark. And that's the reason we've got to continually grow and reach out to people. But, um, again, there's nothing that we're doing that any individual artist couldn't do. Mm -hmm. Um, we just kind of have a six year head start and, and, a, and a lot of art, a, a lot of curators to be able to reach out to already. Sure. I think the same is true of publicity and even radio promotion. I mean, sure. everyone can do it, but, um, it's, like so you say, a lot of it's years. An industry of relationships. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah. an industry of relationships, and if, if you can build this just happens to be relationships. Unlike in radio, where it's a program director, you've got a relationship with an individual that happens to have forty, fifty thousand followers on playlists. Yeah, I could probably learn a lot about electronics, um, satellite technology, and build my own iPhone, but <laughs> but I don't want to do that. <laughs> I want to go to the Apple Store and and, and buy it and That's save right. myself it's a probably. lot of heartache. Probably a lot less expensive too. Um, yeah, right. So, okay, so so it's literally good old fashioned detective work for the most part. You figure out who the 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 playlist holder is or owner is, and do some research. I imagine sometimes you can't find them, um, but uh, quite often you can, and then you just reach out. So, tell me about that networking. Um, is it much like radio? I mean, are you getting on the phone with these people and meeting up with them when you're in their town, uh, where you're really forming those physical kind of relationships, or is it a little more online quote unquote there uh uh and that that you're sending a, a few messages and asking if they mind you sending them some material from time to time it's a mixed bag i would say it's mostly it's mostly digital um yeah. i mean my my staff is primarily home based in in nashville mm -hmm. um that's not to say that you know if we've got an artist that is out on the road and happens to be in a town where one of our curators loves their music and wants to go to a show you know we'll try to get them get them on a, on a list and and meet the artist. If we're present for that, that's wonderful. Um, if not, we, we, we've at least been in, been the conduit to that experience. Um, so it's, it's it's a lot of, of digital, and whenever possible, we get curators to come into town all the time that want to come hang at the office or want to meet the staff, sure. and we're more than happy to do that. Yeah, I guess I'm curious about the, the value proposition that you approach with, you know, like most things it's certainly hard to get people's attention when you're just saying hey can you do something for me is there anything that you're yep. coming to the table with saying like hey this is what we bring to the table is there something that you offer them you you talked about how you don't do payola or anything like that so i'm wondering right. 
if there's anything that you bring to the table or if it's just the reality of this beast that that all you can kind of do is just say hey you're looking for music sure. we find good music yeah if there is any currency in this it would be you know that artist might give you a shout out on uh, you know on their instagram story or on a facebook post gotcha. uh, thanking you for adding the track um, so that's really the extent of any type of currency um, and do you mention that though? Just, is that something you dangle out, out there? Okay, gotcha. Ab absolutely, um, and we—that's uh, all. We, we make that clear up front with the client as well, with, with the artist as well, with the music. So cool. make sure that that's something that they're willing to do. We work with some artists that are large enough they don't feel super comfortable, but you know, an Instagram story lasts 24 hours, so it's, it's usually not you're not you're not giving up too much real estate. Yeah, uh, sure. you know, To thank someone for adding a track. Sure, sure. Um, okay, very cool. Well, um, uh, again, sorry, I'm reading notes here um, from from what okay. you, all the things that you just said. Um, so you talked about multiple tracks. Talk about that a bit. Why multiple tracks? Why go out with five as opposed to one? Well, we found early days that um, it wasn't. We, we worked singles originally, mm -hmm. and we found that sometimes we'd reach out to a curator, we wouldn't hear anything back, and then we we'd be monitoring their playlist uh, on the back end with some software, and realize. Not only did they add that track, but they added two or three other tracks. They just mm -hmm. liked the artist. Mm -hmm. um, and in fact, early, early days, we reached out to a curator uh, on a really large playlist in Spain uh, that was called Just Cry Sad Songs. Um, and he added a track that was two years old and didn't add the track that we'd sent him. So he'd obviously listen to the music. Um, and so we realized, look, these are just human beings that are listening to music and adding what they like from what they hear. So why limit it? If, since we're not doing payola and it's not costing us anything, right. I mean, it's the same pitch. Let's use multiple tracks as opposed to an individual track. Um, and and it, it worked really well. So if we're sending five tracks and a curator likes those, they might have multiple branded lists that work in multiple verticals. Right. So we're able to very easily, you know, add three, add all five. Like, we, of course, we want as much adoption as possible. So um, that was the reason for the strategy behind that. It also gives us more content to work with larger word clouds and, 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 and a bigger and a bigger pool to pull from. Sure, sure. That makes sense. What about artists that may come to you saying, like, I'm going to only release the singles to streaming, which, you know, some artists are doing. Um, and so they only want to push a single. Is that something you're opposed to? Or, or uh, is that something you not, do as well? Not opposed to it at all. Uh, I mean, it's going to limit a little bit, obviously, the, the, the breadth and depth of what we're able to bring to the table. Mm -hmm. But we certainly understand a single strategy. Um, we hope, you know, based on, and I can only speak to the way Spotify kind of the, the machine and how it wants to consume music, but your track's good for eight weeks, 12 weeks. Um, and then it's, you know, Spotify is hungry for something next. So yeah. the reasoning behind our three month campaigns is we hope that if, you know, the next campaign, we are happy to stay on that single that you just released, but we're hoping in three months, you've got something else ready to release and then we can work both those tracks. Right. Um, we've got artists that release weekly, bi-weekly, monthly, um, however it might be, and we're happy to, you know, just continue to add to our arsenal of what we're, what we're promoting. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, okay, yeah. so uh, another question here. How much do you find that story matters? So you talked about putting the EPK together, you know, branding and is something that I focus on. I talk a lot about the USP, so I'm a, I'm a marketing geek. So instead of just using the generic term branding, I talk about the unique selling proposition, that, that, that story behind the artist. Sometimes that's an accomplishment. Sometimes it's the fact that they were, you know, some lifestyle thing. They were once homeless. Uh, sometimes it's it's their amazing, you know, world-class guitar skill. Um, 
but every artist kind of uh, of any quality has some real unique selling proposition, some story. Um, and how much do you find that that matters with the when going after streaming promoters? Are, do they care? Is it really you touched on this a little bit, but is it just about the music or does the story matter? Does does you hear, you know, in the old, well, the old label days, obviously, record labels are still out there. It's amazing that my brain just thought of that as a time from the past. <laughs> but um, the, the, that was something that you heard certainly a lot from radio. You know, they wanted to know that something had legs. Is that the case as yep. well with, with streaming? It's all over the place. Again, um, yes, some really care. They want to know about the artists, who they are backstory were there were they in another band previously you know where would i have heard of them before are they touring whatever that might be um some really just care about the music as and as you can imagine some of that comes from a genre so uh country and 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 christian and and to some extent pop really care about the story um hip-hop not quite as much um you know some more aggressive pop tracks not as much um but all those curators are individuals so they all have different criteria they all are, are looking for, for different things um so that's the reason for the epk i'm all about brand like i love building you know I, prior to this that was 90 percent of what i was doing which is building helping artists build brand build story um build context around uh who they are and what they are and why why listen to me over someone else right right very cool. Um, another, so I've got a bunch of sort of disassociated questions here, just things that as you were talking, I'm going, okay, I got to ask about that. I got to ask about that. But, um, you know, you, obviously you're going out to get streams. What about followers and, and things like that? Are you doing anything specific to encourage that? Or is that uh, just something that comes naturally? And I ask it in juxtaposition to the services where people will go out and, you know, make sure that they're buying an array of these things because right. they want it to look natural. Do, do those followers just come as a result of, uh, the streams uh, from people genuinely liking the music and, or do you have to do something to try to encourage that? And I don't know what you would do if there is something. So. Sure. I look at that as more of a social media campaign, right? Yeah, so yeah. doing stuff on, on, on your social platforms to encourage that. Um, we, we have no control over that. So right. it's not something that we can guarantee or we could, we couldn't even ask a curator to then, you know, like sure. the songs that are on my, on yeah. my playlist. None of that, none of that's happening. Yeah. You don't um, have that microphone. So whatever is happening is, Whatever is happening is absolutely organic. Mm, okay, so what do you recommend your clients do? So you're not actually doing anything. You don't have templates for them. You're just giving them some advice. Go out and en encourage that the people to yeah, to follow your accounts. We've got a one sheet that we can provide clients. It kind of gives them an idea of some, some some strategies they can try to implore to to get get followers and and, and get likes on those tracks. Um, but it's nothing, and the only way to be able to do that would be, you know, run a, run a script that's going to be a bot that's going to fake it. Yeah. And that's just not, that's just not our MO. Do you have any advice that you can share, share with us? Um, again, yeah, all social media. So how, what are you asking your, asking your followers to do? What are you, what are you, what are you speaking to your community? How, how, how likely are they to act? Um, and the more you hammer them and the more that you get them to act, you know, the more likely those, those things are to happen. So, um, what's, what's, what's the dangled carrot that you're given for those, for those fans to, uh, to act on your behalf. Right. Right. And have you seen any one particular carrot work better than another? Um, not really. I can't think of anything that's really worked right. better than others. Um, obviously starting with a really large following certainly, <laughs> certainly sure, helps. Sure. Um, just like anything, it's going to be a matter of attrition. You ask a million people to do something and a thousand people might. So, um, that's, you hope that you've got very engaged fans that are going to, 
act on your behalf again. Sure. So it's just as simple as going out to your social audience and regularly asking them to, to follow you. Yeah. Hey, pre-save this track that's going live in, you know, two days. And yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. And, like it once it's up and, and would you put an importance on following the artist over various playlists or does, does one matter more than another in your opinion, at least for the algorithm? So that all builds into the algorithm. Uh, follows are hugely important on the algorithm. Um, playlist ads that aren't Spotify specific. I don't even know if I've spoken to that yet, but you know, our goal is never to get editorial Spotify ads. Um, early days, we had some relationships with the curation team at Spotify. Mm-hmm. Um, that all ended. I, I was in a meeting with Allie Hagendorf. She got a thousand emails in about an hour, and right. I realized we were barking up the wrong we're barking up the wrong tree. Um, so we immediately pivoted and went all user generated. So if you want songs to be considered, uh, you got to go to the or- artist portal and upload those songs there. Um, and then realize that there are 20,000 songs released every day. Hmm. And I don't know who's going through that giant <laughs> data dump, yeah. but I've got to assume that the, the, the likelihood is pretty minimal. Hmm. And if you look at those editorial playlists, they're 90, 95% major label acts. So, right. Right. Um, Gotcha. There must be something in the algorithm or they must have some pre-selection process there where followers really matters and, and account activity. Followers matter. Followers matter. Likes matter on the track. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, uh, run over rise as far as the rapidity of the, of the consumption of the track. How it's monthly listeners is a huge one. And that's a, 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 a data point that we uh, rely on pretty heavily. We want to make sure we're seeing that even if the music's a little bit older, we want to see we're staying static and not falling off on that monthly listener number because uh, that's what's going to influence um, the uh, release radar playlist You know, on that next release. You want to get as, as wide adoption to that on that as possible. So right. we try to, not knowing the specifics of what's really triggering all those algorithmic lists, we try to get a good sense as to what is and isn't working uh, based on what we're doing. Right. Gotcha. Well, let's talk a little bit about stats, um, stats to pay attention to results, averages, things like that. I don't know about you. It's probably less of a mystery to you, but I find myself a little just baffled when talking to artists because I hear such a huge gamut of results and in the mix is so often people who are buying streams. I mean, I've talked to so many people who've got hundreds of thousands of streams, you know, pretty impressive numbers for really small amounts of money. Often their accounts are getting banned um, and they're having to re-upload everything. But but uh, I guess this is a funny question. And then you have, well, you have artists that are genuinely out there getting millions of streams a month because you know they've they've found a following um but then you have other artists who are doing well and getting pretty minimal amounts of streams i i know artists that are making you know six figures a year and not really doing much on spotify and then i know some who are making almost nothing and and getting you know hundreds of thousands and potentially millions of streams um so how do you make sense of all the stats what what are we looking for what's average what's the success to you how do we separate the sort of viral run-on success um as opposed to what's achievable to to the the 99 you know i i think i think there are a lot of people that talk about the value of Spotify and then they use the lightning strikes as the examples of what's possible. And I don't like to do that. MMM, Music Marketing Manifesto and everything I'm about is about achievable results and real ROI and taking, you know, taking that weight for the lightning to strike part of the equation out of uh, of this. So so what's what's possible, I guess? And, and again, to the 99% of us oh. that don't get struck by lightning. 
Yeah, of course. Um, I mean, I like to one remind every artist that we work with. You know, we are we are one switch in a much larger switchboard. Hmm. Um, so there needs there needs to be other things that are happening. If you're coming to us, uh, even even our marketing materials, it says we're not going to be successful in a bubble. You know, it's a we're looking for to be part of you know a rising tide. Um, whether that be you're touring, you're doing PR, you're doing outreach, um, you're doing a social media campaign. Um, you've got some other marketing chops and not just relying on us to blow you up on Spotify because that's just not, that's not realistic. Right. Uh, unless you're buying it. And, and if you're buying it, you're just stroking your own ego. You're not actually building following. You just get to go show your friends that, Hey, look, I got a hundred thousand streams on that track. Cool story, bro. Like <laughs> that's great for you. But <laughs> yeah. if you're, if it's not real people and you can't go tour against that, or you can't sell merchandise to the robots that falsely <laughs> inflated your track, track, track count, What's the point? Yeah. So, you know, we're, that's the reason that it's easy for me to tell the story about doing this organically is because we're one piece of a much larger puzzle. Um, you know, we're, we, we can elevate the numbers. We can try to spur some growth on those algorithmic lists. We can get you ads on playlists. Um, but what else are you doing? What else is happening? And where else are you monetizing? Because, you know, five cents, six tenths of a cent per stream, you know, nobody's getting rich that way unless you're Drake. So, um, you got to figure out a way what else is happening. But as far as the success story, I mean, I like to see, you know, 20% gain in, uh, in month and monthly listeners, at least, mm -hmm. um, depends everything's a unique situation. Um, you know, if you, if it's older tracks that we're, that we're working, we might just be trying to, you know, steady, uh, and plateau that, that, that growth. So you're mm -hmm. not falling off. Uh, so you re reach new listeners. On the, on the on the next release, right? Um, it's really all over the place, but you know we, we're we're hoping to get roughly an ad a week or so. Mm -hmm. if, if, hopefully, we have campaigns that do wildly better than that. Um, we have campaigns that we think are going to work that struggle, of course, uh, and I hate that that happens, but that's that's part of the business. Mm -hmm. um, when you're not working with, we're we're working without a net here, so there's no guarantees. We're we we assure you we're reach, we're reaching out to the people. We assure you you're working on your behalf. Um, but we really have no idea what the results will be. Sure. Um, we've got artists that have blown up early days. We've got some artists on New Music Friday, which was an immediate spike and, and did well. Um, you know, nowadays it's much more that slow and steady. That's the reason we're not running a two week campaign. You right. know, I'm not just going and buying you some spots and, and, and leaving you to waste. Um, I'm working this over three months and really giving a, a genuine effort to try to grow slow and steady. And that's, really difficult sometimes to explain to an artist that just sure. wants that immediate gratification. Like, no, I want the 100,000 streams right now. I'd rather go spend $500 to get that. Well, yeah. You, you can do that. You're, you're, you're putting your, your music at risk. You're putting, and you're not reaching real people. Yeah. Um, but, but your friends artists, in high school you know, think you're really, really cool. Your friends in high school think you're cool. You, you can take the screenshot of that 100,000 stream and you better do it quick because they're going to pull your profile down. But, <laughs> <laughs> totally. Totally. Well, again, I'm going to push a little harder. I can totally appreciate and respect your your um, desire not to throw specific numbers out there because it does vary so much. Uh, so I, I guess I'll maybe reshape the question a little bit. You, you talked about looking at maybe 20% growth, uh, an ad a week. Uh, so what kind of how many streams might a person see on average from just a single playlist? I think that's from a single playlist is, is going to really not just the follower count. I think that's something that's very important for people to look at as well. Looking at just the follower count of a playlist and assuming that you're going to get that many streams 
out of that playlist is a, a recipe for frustration. Sure. Um, so we, we use um, a service called Chartmetric where we're able to see how many streams are actually coming out of those playlists each week. And so that's part of the strategy of us reaching out uh, to curators and playlists uh, to, to get an idea. So it really depends on what playlist you get added to. Some playlists generate 2,000 streams a week. Uh, some playlists generate 20 streams a week. Um, if we if we get you on, you know, a hundred of the 20 streams a week, it's 2,000 streams. So it really varies based on where the adoption is happening, and that's the reason we have uh, a lot of big lists and a lot of small lists that we reach out to you because we're trying to find you know what that rhythm is going to be, and every single campaign is unique and different, uh, quite honestly. So there's not really like an average of how things are performing. Um, it's really just an all-out assault on trying to get as much adoption as possible. And then if you start to trigger those algorithms and get in Discover Weekly and re- Release Radar and Daily Mood, you're starting to re- reach even more you know, potential fans and, and listeners that we don't really even have any influence over. So um, right. we're, we're just trying to get – we're doing a lot of you know, pushing the snowballs to the top of the hill and hoping we get some, some momentum – and letting that sucker go and seeing what happens. Right. We'll talk about that a bit, the algorithm, because many are familiar with the fact that that's kind of the real payoff here is where you generate enough activity, however you generate it, that the algorithms take over and it starts to grow exponentially. Um, what does it take to trigger those algorithms and what does it mean? Well, you know, what's happening when, yeah, so, when, when it starts to grow like that? So the, the algorithms are, are based on a bunch of different functions. Obviously, the, the, the speed at which you're being adopted and consumed uh, follows, likes, obviously, um, how long has the track been out, um, what's happening with your monthly listener number, how quickly is it rising. So I look at the, the algorithms really as buckets. Mm-hmm. So I want to get you in the largest algorithmic bucket as possible. Mm-hmm. So I want you on more Discover Weekly playlists than, than not. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's really the effort. And we know some of the factors that go into that. We know monthly listeners is a huge one. So that's the reason we're much more focused on growing that monthly listener number mm-hmm. and getting adoption there um, than we are individual stream counts. We'll have people that get frustrated that, well, that, that playlist that you got me on, there's 400 tracks on there and I'm only getting 20 streams a week out of it. Yes, but if you look at it on the aggregate and all the, all the ads that we're getting um, and all the things that are happening, is your monthly listener number staying solid? Is it growing? Um, that's going to be one of the factors that gets you adopted into a larger bucket, if you will, of the algorithms. So it's really important that we that we focus on that number and make sure we're still seeing adoption and consumption and, and growth there. Gotcha. So let's talk about that. Uh, for starters, well, you, you mentioned monthly listeners being one important trigger. Are there any other important triggers that you can mention? And what what's the mechanism here? What happens when uh, you do hit enough of these triggers uh, to get added to these various uh, 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 discovery playlists? And, and how big can it go? Yeah, you'll stay on Discover Weekly, obviously, for a week. Uh, you'll stay on Release Radar for about a week. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it refreshes each week. So if you're gaining traction and getting momentum within those playlists, mm-hmm. um, you might see a larger bucket that next week with mm-hmm. Discover Weekly. Uh, generally, you can stay in Discover Weekly for six to eight weeks, uh, release radar two to four. So that's really more for new music, new tracks. Right. Um, and then those daily mood lists uh, will generally, they're evergreen. So if you can get adoption onto one of those through a certain genre or type or style of music, uh, you can stay on those for a long time. So gotcha. um, our goal really is to just, once you see that adoption taking place and we see, you know, it can it can really 
have a huge impact on that monthly listener number because it's it's new listeners and people that aren't. We talk a lot uh, about kind of the figure eight philosophy with us. If you keep releasing the same music to the same people over and over and over again, like you're not seeing any growth. So using those, one, using us as a service like us to promote outside of what your already current community is, and then additionally getting that, that additional bump from the algorithmic lists, uh, yeah, it's again, it's getting that snowball to the top of the hill and, and, and letting it fly and hopefully continuing to see that momentum long, long after the fact. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, and and in terms of discovery, so is it at all like radio? Like once you are starting to get in all these different playlists and you're starting to get some of that that algorithmic you know growth, uh, are other playlist holders watching this and then picking you up much in the way Absolutely. that radio promoters were or all? Absolutely. And then you've got you've got you've got individuals that also you know that that are discovering you through the algorithmic list that might have a a playlist that has a thousand followers or a hundred followers right. or might be sharing that music with their friends. So you get ads to those lists, which is happening completely organic from what we're doing. Mm. Um, so yeah, you can see some pretty good and any of those ads are also stimulating the algorithm and helping you grow there. So it's, you know, it, it, it takes a spark, but kind of once you get going, you know, it can turn to a fire. So it's, um, that works as well. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, you've touched on this a few times, but just to sort of get the question out, um, let's talk about lifespan. You know, uh, uh, what's the sweet spot? How long of a life does the average track have? Is, is it just very too much to, to answer that question directly? You know, um, what, for people who are trying to make sure they are constantly, um, I don't know, uh, n- nurturing their career, how often should they be releasing new music? You know, let's just talk about that a bit. Yeah. I love, I mean, my wife works at Universal, so I get to see the, the label philosophy uh, as well, and I'm watching it change from what used to be albums. Now we're into an EP strategy, and for artists are trying to break into single strategies. So if you're releasing singles, I would say releasing something every month, every six weeks maybe. If you're releasing EPs, I, I'd like to see those every three months just so there's constantly something to, that's refreshing. And, and we did a lot of uh, a, lo- a lot of research going into starting streaming promotions uh, and followed really closely um, Chainsmokers and Drake. So Chainsmokers was a, a single-based artist, right? They were releasing mm-hmm. a lot of singles. Usually every 21 to 28 days, they were releasing a new single, a remix of a single. Um, and what you saw was just this, obviously they were the hottest band in the world at the time, but uh, just this exponential growth from their monthly listener number. Right. Uh, what Drake was doing was releasing an EP roughly every three months, and he was working really closely with Spotify um, to make sure that once that, that he was hitting a peak and then plateauing, and then the moment that he would that Spotify would tell him, hey, we're starting to see a dip, he would release another EP, which was about every three months. Right. And so then he would see another spike. So you just saw this spike, plateau, spike, plateau, spike, plateau over about 18 to 24 months uh, with Drake, and just... I mean, and you, you, you see what happens when he releases music on the platform. It just explodes. Um, and he's been a good partner of theirs. But and that's the way that I see things. That's the reason we're in three-month campaigns. Um, that's the reason that we do our best to advise release strategies specific to the platform. Um, there might be other strategies and other reasons that people are releasing full albums. There might be a, a myriad of reasons. You might be a, on a radio campaign. There might be a, a, something else happening. Uh, but specific to the platform, we see... You know, that, that one month for a single, three months for an EP, 
has kind of a good rhythm at this point. Gotcha, gotcha. And now that EP, you're talking about the labels going either EP or single strategy. Is that uh, either, I assume, singles in the more early stages where you're trying to break? Or I suppose you've got a following. You could probably work the single strategy because you're almost guaranteed to get the plays. Is the EP approach yep. more, ha- does that have more to do with what you were talking about earlier about how it is beneficial to have a collection of songs to go to those uh, playlist holders with because they might choose um, you know, track two instead of track one? Yeah, I think it's variety. I think it's storytelling. Again, right, I think it right. goes back to you know not just that one single. One single tells me one specific story about that artist. You know, an, e- an EP can tell us multiple sides of the artist, or it can be in story form. I mean, there's there's nothing wrong with re- releasing four EPs and then bundling that at the back end and creating a full project and creating an album out of it. Right, uh, and that's all possible. Um, but yeah, it's it's. I think multiple songs for a startup artist that's trying to break through um, gives multiple angles and multiple facets of that artist. And I think everybody's, when you find a favorite artist, you want more. So um, being able to see multiple sides and multiple types of tracks, unless they're all just, you know, beer drinking songs and you're that, that bro country mentality. Right. Um, maybe you just go the same track. Go the single strategy because they're all the same song anyway. Right, right. Well, talk about this a little bit. What are the what are the potential, uh, I guess, problems or benefits of pulling tracks? Uh, and I'll stretch that out a little bit. I've heard of a strategy. Um, I actually haven't seen it, but I've, I've been I've heard you know just clients and customers bringing it to my attention of artists. Um, uh, going and taking an album and breaking it up into singles, releasing a single each month, and but pulling those singles down as they release the new one until they've got the entire album and then releasing it as an album as they ramp up to begin the next album so that there's they're playing into that algorithm they've always got something new uh what are you what have you seen the strategy what are your thoughts on it are there any negative consequences to pulling music from spotify yeah i haven't well first if you pull the music and then upload it again you're i'm pretty sure you're going to lose any of those stream counts um sure i'm never I'm never of the of the school that you should pull anything from anywhere. Quite honestly, unless it's gotten you flagged or there's some vulgar, there's some there's some reason that you would you, you need to pull that down. Um, I think keeping that tra- those tracks up there and giving maybe I don't discover you on the first single and I discover you on the fifth single. I want to go back and listen to those first four. Yeah. Um, so having a deep well of content. I mean, we're all in the content business now. Um, having that deeper well of content. And, I mean, I even advised clients several years ago before I started streaming promotions, upload your demos, upload your mixtapes. I, I love the idea of, probably goes back to my publishing days, but I love the idea of, you know, how was how did the songwriting process come together? How was the, the, the original rough mix different from, you know, the final track? Did the tempo change? Did you add a bridge? You know, what might have happened to that, to that music? So if you want to tell a story with the music, I see no problem releasing all different pieces and all different types of, uh, of, of cuts to the same track. Sure, sure. The argument that I had heard, and, and I, I tend to agree with you, but the argument that I had heard is take the music, you've got something new, you know, you release something, it plateaus, you put, you pull it off, you make the money, you're right, you lose the count, um, and you lose some discovery potential, but then you put out another one, you make your money, it plateaus, and then you do that until you've got, you've effectively released the entire album, you've created that story, you've created a lot of engagement over that year, let's say it's 12 songs, one song a month, just to make the math easy, and then you release the entire album, so all those songs are there, and it's yet another new release for people to discover. Uh, you, well, you, yeah, the idea being that you're just constant you know the the playlist 
so many of the playlist owners are only going to look at it if it's uh, something new. So you've just got something new and new and new, and you can come back with all those same songs in one collection. um, And uh, it's something new yet again. And then it just lives there. And by that point, you've, you know, hopefully you've already got new songs for the, then the next album, once the album itself plateaus, yeah. uh, it was just an interesting thing that I, I, I've he- heard about. Uh, I don't even want to say the artist's name because I'm not sure all my details are correct, but uh, one artist supposedly doing and uh, and I don't I didn't know that I, I, I agreed with it, but I was wondering if this was something you were seeing. Yeah, I mean, I, in my conversations back back a few years when I was talking to the, the curators of Spotify, I mean, the, the philosophy was new is the new new. Like we want new yeah. all the time. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I, I get that philosophy. Um, I always, everything harkens back to my fan hat, right? Like I'm a, I'm a music fan first before business stuff. Before, I mean, I love music. Uh, as a fan, that would drive me absolutely insane. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. was just listening to that song yesterday and I want to share it with my friend and now I, now it's gone. And right. Some other news. So it might work from a, from a, from a strategic standpoint, but from a fan perspective, I feel like it would just drive fans crazy. Yeah, and and yeah, the idea of losing those evergreen playlists sounds um, sounds yep. pr- pretty pretty brutal. Yeah, if you pull the track, it's going to pull you off all those playlists as well. So yeah. if you were using a service like ours, if the track's not there, it's not gone yeah sure sure well let's talk about genre and not just musical genre but also uh themes you know is there something are there some things that you see working better than others i'm and let's let's go pretty broad here children's music holiday music comedy music um and then you know the uh, themes the romantic versus energy versus topical versus novelty and then of course genres as well you know what are the what are the the easier home runs? I think it wouldn't shock you uh, that the narrower the genre, um, you know, kids music or comedy music, or is going to there are narrower playlists, so right. less less stuff out there. Um, so as you would expect, I mean, pop is huge, uh, hip hop is huge, um, you know, country is ad- adopting. We've got a great uh, community of. Actually, Christian uh, and faith-based um, curators, so that works well for us as well. Um, we do a lot with jazz in, in, in this day and age, so mm-hmm. we're trying to build, you know, that. We got a relationship with a couple of labels, and we're trying to really grow that as, as part of our. It's hard because again, narrower genre. Um, I hear from a lot yeah, of jazz and blues artists that do quite well because they get on so many evergreen playlists. Yep. Well, that's and I think that's the beauty of a service like ours, where you know a lot of those I'm paying for. I'm paying for, I'm paying for bumps. Um, it works, um, but it just it strokes the ego again. It's not real fans. It's all botted. Yeah. Um, you know, we get you added to a list just because the three months is up on our campaign. Doesn't mean that we're asking those curators to take the tracks down. Sure. They, we've got, we've gotten ads for clients that, from three years ago. They're still on the playlist. It's still generating traction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, you talked about that the narrow playlist. What? Uh, what's a better place to be coming from? Is it better to be the big fish in the small pond or the small fish who has potential in the massive pond? Uh, it's those are, and those are different strategies we utilize, right? So mm-hmm. if you're a straight down the middle pop song and there are, I don't know, 10,000 pop songs released a day, um, there's a lot of real estate out there to get you on, but there's also, it's really, really crowded and really noisy. Um, so we, that's the reason for the word cloud, and that's the reason for the emotion around the song and the vibe and the feel. Um, making sure we're going narrow as opposed to you know broad. Yeah. Um, so it, 
so that strategy applies if it's a jazz track or you know if it's uh, acapella music, which we've got a couple of those. Sure. Um, if it's faith based, so it's it, we just apply the strategy regardless of how narrow the path might be, um, and really work hard to make sure it's genuine and real and getting real adoption and, and organic growth. Right. Are there, uh, I imagine, uh, success stories with seasonal tracks, kids' music, things like that, where you get, you know, have one big burst of activity, and while it might be, especially with, you know, obviously seasonal rather than kids, but where you you get on these playlists and you might have a, are there more ever, uh, is there, how I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm having trouble with English at the moment, uh, is there, do you see, more often do you see uh, artists getting these ads that end up lasting for years in those kinds of genres? Yeah, I mean, I don't see people doing a lot of editing of their Christmas playlist, yeah, right? Yeah, um, it, It's just something they're going to add to next season when it's seasonal. Mm. So, um, yeah, we see stuff that stays on forever, um, especially in the holiday space. Right. Um, and really, across the board, people don't, people don't take tracks off, unless they're being really meticulous. You might see playlists that have a lot of followers that have, 600 songs on them because as they're finding new stuff, they're adding to it and not really paring it down. Now we do have a lot of curators that are very specific about paring down lists and they change each week or each month or, you know, there's, there's some variety of that, but, um, the holiday stuff specifically, it, it starts to get really noisy in our office around November. Mm -hmm. Um, when everyone's hitting us up to promote their new, new holiday tracker, holiday yeah. track they recorded in July or, um, and everything kind of switches focus for around six weeks to a, a lot of holiday, holiday oriented, um, and the research around those holiday lists. Mm -hmm. That's not to say we're not still promoting, uh, the other stuff. It just, there becomes a real focus on, you know, we actually have a, a special package around, around the holidays just for holiday music. Gotcha. Um, it's a discounted rate in a shorter period of time. Gotcha. Gotcha. Interesting. Um, so a few more questions, then we'll get into some general stuff. I've never taken more notes during a conversation. I keep having to mute my microphone so you don't hear my keypad clunking away here as there's just so many things you say that I want to mine for more information. I, this is great. Um, talk about international versus domestic. When you go out, are you only focused on certain countries? Do you not care about that at all? Obviously, and the rates are different for different countries. So maybe give folks who may not know a, a sense of that. Yeah, there's no way that we can monitor or control uh, where the user is that's listening to the track. Sure. We on a region of where the curator is from, mm -hmm. but you know we we might have a we've got a lot of curators in the states, but they might they might be a they might be a reggaeton playlist that's you know highly consumed in the islands um, or in South America. Um, I mean the, the platform is global. We had early days a, a label that I won't mention that came to us and said we only want U.S.-based playlists, U.S.-based listeners. And I right. just frankly told them that I have once I get a, a, an ad on a playlist, I can focus only on our U.S.-based curators, but that doesn't mean that the listeners to that playlist are going to be U.S.-based. Yeah, sure. Um, so it, it's pretty broad and wide, and I realize there are different rates, different payouts, um, but we look at it as a more holistic. Like we're just trying to grow your audience. I mean, wouldn't it be wonderful to be able to tour Spain? Uh, wouldn't it be wonderful to be able to tour Brazil? Um, you're more likely going to have organic growth based on your release and your audience wherever you're located. 
Right. So when you're looking at those, when you're looking at those stats, are you are you seeing what what's the breakdown? Is the the majority coming from say, you know, the Western world, or is it really spread out almost similarly to the demographics? It really really, really depends. Yeah, it depends on the artist. So Mm. we've had, you know, if it's a U.S. based artist, I don't want to see a bunch of uh, spins coming in from Mexico or from Brazil or from Indonesia, which usually indicates to me there might be some some botting going on. Right. Um, I want to see them closer to where they plan to tour. And if something's, if there's a a region that comes up that seems out of place and we find out from the artist, oh yeah, well I toured, I don't know, Yugoslavia, right? Right. Uh, That makes more sense. There's some adoption happening there. So you might have a known name. So we totally understand. But I want to see growth, you know, around where you plan to have a career and not just completely but I again I have no control over where that adoption is happening sure, um, sure. But we're really quickly able to figure out if you're a curator and you're botting uh, your playlist um, just for traction you can pretty easily spot where those bot farms are uh, for a little while there was a spot just outside of Cleveland Ohio um, that was doing some bot farming I think they finally got shut down but you would you'd see you know Los Angeles New York Cleveland Ohio Chicago Miami Atlanta it's like Something's not adding up here. Right, right, and right. Cleveland, Cleveland will be your top city. I'm like, I appreciate the, the musicians from Cleveland and, and the music audience in Cleveland, but they're not going to outpace a U.S.-based artist that's based in Brooklyn. Like, right, New right. York's going to always be the top the top city. It should be. Well, talk about that a bit. Why? So as someone who's not using bots or going after any services that use bots, why are you seeing bots show up? Are the playlist holders themselves promoting their own playlists with bots? Sometimes we see that, um, and if we if we notice it, we scratch those guys from our list and stop sending them music. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're again, we're trying to run the cleanest shop possible. Um, but yeah, we're you can see it's not just the artist wanting a, a bunch of spins or plays next to their track. It's some of these curators that also want a bunch of followers next to you know next to their playlist. Right. So, we have to be mindful of that happening as well. Especially um, because some of these playlist people are charging people money um, to absolutely, to stuff. yeah, and and those guys get scratched from us too. Mm. Um, I'm not, not going to pay you twenty bucks a week to have a track on your playlist. That's, that's yeah, that, that's direct payola. So um, yeah, it's 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 interesting. We used to work with a guy um, out of Spain that had about two hundred and something followers on a thousand followers on his playlist. Uh-huh. Um, he was. But the playlist went dormant for, for a while, and people were pay, paying him or attempting to pay him to get on that list. And we realized there's not really any traction coming out of that list anyway. What we find is users will follow a playlist, but people don't routinely unfollow a playlist. Sure. Um, so once you're, you follow, you just drag it down to the bottom of your playlist and don't pay attention to it anymore. So yeah. there are a lot of playlists that have a lot of followers that may have become dormant. It's not nearly as active as it once was. And so that's why having the software on the back end to see how many spins are actually coming out of those lists is really important to us. Gotcha. So what uh, what software do you use for that? Um, so we use Chartmetric. Gotcha. Um, which I think it, there's, there's a free trial available. We obviously uh, have multiple accounts and utilize their API, and it feeds into our uh, our uh, reports. So 
um, we're using it a little more aggressively and obviously paying a fee for that. Yeah, sure. Um, I think there's a free version that gives you a little bit of the information. Very cool. Um, talk about uh, what art- artists can do in addition to what a playlist promoter might be doing. Um, is there, you know, there are a lot, there's a lot of chatter about uh, using pay-per-click, for example, to drive uh, your streams up to the point where some of those algorithms kick in and, and it grows exponentially. What are your thoughts on that? I've got a pay-per-click is wonderful. Uh, any advertising you're doing on behalf of your project is is wonderful. Again, we, we don't want to work isolated in a bubble. Mm-hmm. Um, anything you're doing from a social media standpoint, from a pay-per-click standpoint, um, from a PR outreach, doing blog outreach, um, you know, whatever you might be doing on your own only supports what we're doing. And if there's any activity happening there, we want you to send us updates. Yeah. Hey, I got on a tour. Hey, I got a press release from, um, I'm being written up in the Rolling Stone as like artist to watch or whatever that might be. We want to have that, you know, as another bullet in our gun to be able to reach out to our, our community to say, you know, this is getting traction and we really want you to support this. Right, right. Well, I don't know if you do any of this or have any experience. I'll be totally honest. It's been one of the harder nuts to crack for anything I've done. I've been advertising on Facebook since month one, you know, since they since they began allowing advertising. I've taught numerous courses and workshops on it. I've spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on Facebook advertising, specifically in the music space. Like I know what I'm doing when it comes to Facebook advertising. But for the life of me, I cannot get any kind of ROI on streams that makes any kind of sense. And and I get I I'm not talking about even positive ROI. I'm talking about I I can get email subscribers in many instances cheaper than I can get a stream because of that damn 30 seconds that it takes to get you know to get it counted as a stream. Yeah. So it's not uncommon it's where really, I, really hard. you know, I'm, I might have I might have a few successful ad campaigns where I was getting reasonably affordable streams, uh, but it's not uncommon for me to get cheaper subscribers, you know, email, where I own their email list and can can market to them over and over and over again and retarget them forever. Um, it's not uncommon for me to get cheaper email subscribers than it is to get cheaper streams. So and yet there are there are people out, out there in the space that are, are talking about this as a viable strategy. And for me, it hasn't been. So I'm just curious if you have any experience or insight into that as of viable, workable strategy where it really does trigger the algorithms or if those strategies are that lightning, you know, the success stories that you hear with pay-per-click fueling Spotify growth are ultimately just the lightning striking and and people fluffing it up to look like a successful approach. Yeah, I think it's what's your, what's your goal, right, going into it. Is your goal just to build awareness about you as an artist mm-hmm. and having people see your name and seeing, you know, the, the cover art of the project um, is if you're just going for awareness, pay-per-click's a great way to go. Like mm. your, your ROI piece, I mean, I got into an argument long ago with, uh, with a, a label, a, a, a guy at a label, um, and he was like, I'm just not seeing any ROI on this. I said, like, what's the ROI of radio promotion? Yeah, yeah. there is none. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so, totally. you know, it's, what's the cost to go build audience? I mean, where are you trying to get engagement? Um, it might not be that first time they see it that they click through to it. It might not be the hundredth. Um, but, they're going to be aware that they saw it at least. And so maybe that sparks, um, you know, something later on down the road, maybe your, your name is recognized. Maybe they recognize the artwork as they're going through a playlist that they follow. Um, there's multi, I, I look at pay-per-click cause I'm just trying to get eyeballs, uh, on my project for people to know that it exists. Right. If they click through wonderful. Um, but yeah, you can never go into that thing looking for a return. I mean, it's similar to our, our service. Like you're not going to make more money than you spend on us. 
during the time of our promotion. It's just yeah, illogical sure. to think that, that would sure. work. Well, um, well, again, we're trying to get that snowball to the top of the hill. Yeah, yeah. Well, this this is a good place to sort of um, transition in, into, and I know we've run longer than I expected, so so we'll wrap up soon. But this is a good place to transition into a broader conversation about you know why we're doing this. You talk about pay per click and it being illogical to expect a return on on uh, when it comes to streaming, and I, I agree with that. Um, my whole focus through Music Marketing Manifesto and what I do, you know, uh, ten years ago I started. Uh, I had initially. You probably don't know my backstory and the listeners are probably <laughs> sick of hearing it. But, you know, I, I'm a musician and I've uh, released multiple albums and got very frustrated with things and turned to the Internet to just make money. Um, we're talking around 2006, I think. I, I think I started started making a full time living online around 2007. And in around 2010, started turning everything that I had learned once I figured it out and figured out how direct response marketing worked, uh, turned it on the music business. And lo and behold, it worked for me, you know, building that mailing list and selling to that mailing list whether you're selling by selling an album or uh, a Patreon, or pushing a Patreon campaign or a Kickstarter campaign or even tickets to shows. It's about having that ability to directly communicate with those fans and earning the right to ask them to spend money with you. And I find that that's a really important piece of of the puzzle, at least if we're going to attempt to operate like small businesses. It's not necessarily uh, crucial if your only goal is to get a record deal. And for many artists, that is their their primary goal is, is not to run at a profit, but actually to build up enough value that a label sees it and wants to sign them and then and then turn them into a big star. And that's that's fair. Um, but uh, but I do, you know, over and over and over again, generate positive ROI with pay-per-click advertising with that approach, you know, because you're getting $10 upsells for $30, you know, house concerts for $500 and so forth when you're marketing to the mailing list. So so what I guess I'm asking, where does, in your opinion, in that bigger ecosystem, what's the best advice you have for independent musicians who are a little more focused on trying to grow their brand, but also uh, generate an income, you know, function like small businesses at more more so than being focused on becoming household name for the sake of being household names. You know, where does streaming fit into that bigger ecosystem in in your opinion and how should artists be spending their money um on something like streaming as opposed to that other stuff that more that uh, more direct response approach that i mentioned yeah i think you know spotify i look at it as a new radio Mm -hmm. so and i mentioned there's no roi on radio promotion yeah yeah hiring a radio promotion staff to go out on your behalf and reach out to pds and try to get an ad on a radio station uh, when the radio plays your music uh, outside of the publishing, uh, you're not seeing any, any money coming back in the door. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, so hopefully you wrote those tracks. And in, in Nashville and the country space, most times the artist performing the track didn't write the track. So um, there's lots of money you know, lost or at least spent going towards radio promo. With Spotify, there's a little bit of money coming back, but it's the same thing. Yeah. Spotify is, your, is a very low revenue generating uh, tool, but it's a very good tool for someone to easily hear your music and easily become a fan of you. So when your pay per clicks are going back towards uh, a higher revenue generating ticket item, whether that be merchandise, uh, an album, uh, a concert ticket, something of that nature, um, that, th- those make sense. But you've got to, I'm not going to go buy a ticket or buy a piece of merch uh, or buy an album of an artist that I've never heard of. Sure. Spotify is kind of that gateway of being able to. It's a great discovery tool, and that's honestly the way that I, I look at it and utilize it. 
you've got to be discovered somewhere. Um, Spotify is the easiest place to do that. And so using it as a tool of discovery and then driving them down that funnel further for higher ticket items that will generate revenue. Um, I mean, I'd love to say that every artist that we work with generates, you know, a million dollars a year on Spotify. Yeah. There aren't a lot of artists that do that in general. I mean, even major label artists. So um, doing it in a way that is, you know, using it for discovery, using it to make a fan, to build a fan, and then monetize that fan later. Uh, I mean, that's that's our that's our that's our that's our magic where the magic happens, I guess. Sure, sure. I'd also add that just in terms of ease of engagement, you know, it's a lot harder to get people to engage with our own tools um, than it is to get them to, you know, pull up their Spotify app, which everybody's pretty much got, or, or you know, some right, streaming yeah, app, yeah. and just add you to their playlist. They, you know, and if, you, if you're not, at least, if you don't have at least a portion of your music there, then you're not going to get played at parties and in social occasions and all those other things that are part right. of falling in love with with fans and some of the best uses of it is again the metrics being able to see what cities we, uh, have the biggest followers and then planning your tour routes around that we obviously sure. have historically done that with radio but with radio you know spins don't necessarily equal fan love but a stream the, the, does. Old, the old personal people monitor yeah 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 <laughs> the old ppm yeah, yeah. Like one person represents three thousand people yeah not yeah. a not a super exact tool no Totally. And, and, and listeners, you know, uh, bot, bot farms aside, uh, those, you know, if people are actually listening to your music and you can see it, uh, then, then that's a great way to go and plan a tour and not waste money going and playing for five people because, uh, you know, you, and you can monetize that, that investment in streaming that way, which I think, you know, is, is something that's not talked about probably enough. Anyway, we've gone on for a long time. I could keep going. There's just so much great stuff here and as i say i'm i'm weak on on streaming that's not been historically my strong suit mine is my strong suit is direct response marketing copywriting advertising things like that and and it's been a pleasure to get to pick your brain so that i could you know enhance mine uh, on the topic of streaming and i know the listeners are going to dig it as well um i i have an audience the huge majority of my audience are people that are of like mind to myself they see the value in direct response and building the list and the sales model but Nobody wants to ignore streaming, and um, so it's it's that's something I've been personally focused on, and will be in, in the coming years. Just how to meld the music marketing manifesto model with streaming, so that we can all have our cake and eat it too. So it's been a pleasure to to get to talk to you uh, and and pick your brain. So um, any final words for for the listeners? Any bits of advice? Anything you want to say at all? No, I think you, you told people where to find us. Streampromotions.com. Um, you know, obviously, we'd love to hear. Uh, we love listening to music, so getting submissions and getting to hear from folks is, is always wonderful. Um, you ask great questions. This is really awesome. I really appreciate it. Well, thanks very much. Appreciate it. And uh, you have a great rest of your day wherever you're holed up in quarantine, and stay safe. <laughs> you too. Thank you. Take care. All right. Once again, that was Michael Sloan from Streaming Promotions, and you can learn more about his company at streamingpromotions.com. Now, uh, a big thank you to Michael for taking time out of his day to talk with us. I know I learned a lot. Hopefully you guys did as well. Uh, one final thought I want to leave you guys with. If, if you're a musician and you need press for your music, and most of us do, most of us need some music reviews or write-ups. Uh, we need quotes that we can use in our marketing. We want to get the word out there about our music. We need content that we can share with our fans, but we don't always have the thousands of dollars that it takes to go and hire a publicist, nor do we have the time uh, to go out there and 
pursue and pitch journalists independently. Uh, so if that is if that's you, if you find yourself in that situation and you need press without the hassles or the high expense of traditional PR. I recently launched a service called No Brainer PR, and you can learn more about it at nobrainerpr.com. But what it is uh, essentially is a guaranteed press service. For as little as $35 a review, you can get a real authentic music critics to write about your music, and that review will be published on a popular, well-established music or entertainment-related website, music magazine, or blog. Uh, the site, uh, the company No Brainer PR was launched about a month ago. It's been quietly ticking along, uh, but the response has been extremely positive. You can find uh, testimonials from people who have gone through the process, who have used the service at nobrainerpr.com. Just wanted to remind everyone that it it is available. It is there for you when it's time for you uh, to go out and get some press if you're in a situation where you want to try to keep your costs down. And one final reminder that the Insider Circle $1 30-day trial offer is going to expire next week. That's May 14th. Um, at least, uh, at least is, is it the 14th? I got to check my calendar. Yes, May 14th and midnight Pacific. That'll be your last chance to lock in this, uh, this pretty incredible price. A dollar gets you more than 100 mini courses, music marketing mini courses, uh, and uh, live calls with me and a whole bunch more. So check it out at musicmarketingmanifesto.com forward slash insider circle. That's insider circle, no hyphens, dashes or anything, just one word. All right. Thank you so much for listening. And one final big thank you to Michael for taking time out of his day to chat with us. Uh, And thank you guys for listening. I really appreciate it. Hope you're all safe and doing well out there, um, or as at least as well as can be during this this pretty uh, scary and difficult time. Hang in there. And until next time, take care. Thanks for listening to the Music Marketing Manifesto podcast. If you'd like to learn more about how you can market your music using the direct-to-fan strategies discussed on this show, then head on over to musicmarketingmanifesto.com and sign up for your free copy of the Music Marketing Blueprint. Once again, that's musicmarketingmanifesto.com.